Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we'll be reading Matthew 22, verses 23 to 33, and then through J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Matthew. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Matthew, chapter 22, verses 23 to 33. The same day Sadducees came to him, who say that there is no resurrection, and they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses said, If a man dies having no children, his brothers must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first married and died, and having no offspring left his wife to his brother. So too the second and the third, down to the seventh. After them all, the woman died. In the resurrection, therefore, of the seven, whose wife will she be? For they all had her. But Jesus answered them, You are wrong, because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? He is not God of the dead, but of the living. And when the crowd heard it, they were astonished at his teaching. This is the word of the Lord. This passage describes a conversation between our Lord Jesus Christ and the Sadducees. These unhappy men, who said that there was no resurrection, attempted, like the Pharisees and Herodians, to perplex our Lord with a hard question. Like them, they hoped to entangle him in his talk and to injure his reputation among the people. Like them, they were completely baffled. Let us observe in the first place that absurd skeptical questions to Bible truths are ancient things. The Sadducees wished to show the absurdity of the doctrine of the resurrection and the life to come. They therefore came to our Lord with a story which was probably invented for the occasion. They told him that a certain woman had married seven men in succession, all who died and left no children. They then asked whose wife this woman would be in the next world when they all rose again. The object of the question was plain and transparent. They meant, in reality, to bring the whole doctrine of the resurrection into contempt. They meant to insinuate that there must necessarily be confusion and strife and unseemly disorder if... After death, men and women were to live again. It must never surprise us if we meet with similar objections against the doctrines of Scripture, and especially against those doctrines which concern another world. There never probably will be lacking unreasonable men who will intrude into things unseen and make imaginary difficulties their excuse for unbelief. Supposed cases are one of the favorite strongholds in which an unbelieving mind loves to entrench itself. Such a mind will often set up a shadow of its own imagining and fight with it as if it was a truth. Such a mind will often refuse to look at the overwhelming mass of plain evidence by which Christianity is supported and will fasten down on some single difficulty which it fancies is unanswerable. The talk and arguments of people of this character should never shake our faith for a moment. For one thing, we should remember that there 
must necessarily be deep and dark things in a religion which comes from God, and that a child may ask questions which the greatest philosopher cannot answer. For another thing, we should remember that there are countless truths in the Bible which are clear and unmistakable. Let us first attend them, believe them, and obey them. So doing, we need no doubt that many things now unintelligible to us will be made plain. So doing, we may be sure that what we do not now know, we shall know hereafter. Let us observe in the second place what a remarkable text our Lord brings forward in proof of the reality of a life to come. He places before the Sadducees the words which God spoke to Moses in the bush, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, Exodus 3.6. He adds the comment, God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. At the time when Moses heard these words, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had been dead and buried many years. Two centuries had passed away since Jacob, the last of the three, was carried to his tomb. And yet God spoke of them as being still his people, and of himself as being still their God. He said not, I was their God, but I am. Perhaps we are often tempted to hold the truth of a resurrection and a life to come. But, unhappily, it is easy to hold truths theoretically and yet not realize them practically. There are few of us who would not find it good to meditate on the mighty verity, that is, true principle, which our Lord here unfolds, and to give it prominent place in our thoughts. Let us settle it in our minds that the dead are, in one sense, still alive. From our eyes, they have passed away, and their place knows them no more. But the eyes of God, they live, and will one day come forth from their graves to receive an everlasting sentence. There is no such thing as annihilation. The idea is a miserable delusion. The sun, moon, and stars, the solid mountains, the deep sea will one day come to nothing. But the weakest babe of the poorest man shall live forevermore in another world. May we never forget this. Happy is he who can say from his heart the words of the creed, I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Let us observe in the last place the account which our Lord gives of the state of men and women after the resurrection. He silences the fancied objections of the Sadducees by showing that they entirely mistook the true character of the resurrection state. They took it for granted that it must necessarily be a gross, carnal existence like that of mankind upon earth. Our Lord tells us that in the next world, we may have a real material body, and yet a body of very different constitution and different necessities from that which we now have. He speaks only of the saved, be it remembered. He omits all mention of the lost. He says, In the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. Perhaps our clearest ideas of it are drawn from considering what it will not be, rather than what it will be. It is a state in which we shall hunger no more, nor thirst any more. Sickness, pain, and disease will not be known. Wasting old age and death will have no place. Marriages, births, 
and a constant succession of inhabitants will no more be needed. They who are once admitted into heaven shall dwell there forevermore. And to pass from negatives to positives, one thing we are told plainly, we shall be as the angels of God. Like them, we shall serve God perfectly, unhesitatingly, and unweariedly. Like them, we shall ever be in God's presence. Like them, we shall ever delight to do His will. Like them, we shall give all glory to the Lamb. These are deep things, but they are all true. Are we ready for this life? Would we enjoy it if admitted to take part in it? Is the company of God and the service of God pleasant to us now? Is the occupation of angels one of which we would delight? These are solemn questions. Our hearts must be heavenly on earth while we live, if we hope to go to heaven when we rise again in another world. Colossians 3, 1-4 That is the end of Ryle's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today. And may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for His glory.